order is important and the amount is important. The first 10%. It's not just a, the 10%, any 10%, but it's the first 10%. If it's the last 10%, God will welcome your offering, but it won't be a tithe. It'll be an offering. And there is a difference. And then number three. The first has the, pl- the power to bless the rest. So when we give God the first portion... Uh, and we make him Lord, he then obligates himself to bless the rest of our life. So when we make him Lord, he obligates himself to bless the rest of our life. He's first in my life. He is Lord to me. And it is personal to to me because I have this anchor to my soul that if I will put him first, he will be my God. No matter what storms of life you're going through, you have this anchor holding you, holding you to the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Today, though, I want to flip the script, so to say, and I want to look at things from God's perspective. So we talk about a lot from our perspective, uh, why we do it, uh, why it matters to us, but I want to talk about tithing. I want to talk about this subject. It's personal, and I want to talk to you about why it's personal to God. Why it matters to him. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer. If you're watching online, I hope you'll get still and quiet. Get ready to receive from the Lord today. Uh, I've got a word that I believe that will help you as you see life from God's perspective. But there's a great blessing at the end of it that I want to speak over your life. And uh, so, so welcome to Triumph today. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to come to this house and to lift up our hands and to lift up our voices and to worship you. Thank you that you choose to be with us. I love you, Father. And I praise you. Open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Three reasons that tithing is personal to God. The first reason that it's personal to God is because it's his house. Tithing is personal to God because we are talking about His house. One of the most famous tithing scriptures in the, in the entire Bible, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Notice that he says full there. Remember, uh, he, we talked about last week that it's 10%. So he said bring the full 10%, not a partial 10%, but the full 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He didn't say, make sure you're handled first and then bring what's left to me. He said, bring the full tithe, the first 10%, into my house, into the storehouse, that there would be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you such blessing until there is no more need. So here's what he's saying. If you will make sure that there is food in my house... I will make sure that the need in your house is met. Now this is is pretty cool here. Because I don't make tons and tons of money. How many of you can say, man, I am just loaded and rich and I have no need in my life. I'm just blessed on every side and I've got more than enough to share with somebody else. No takers? Okay. Then you're like me. I'm blessed, but I still have needs. But here's what happens. If I do my part and bring it to God in His storehouse, 
He takes on the responsibility of making sure that the windows of heaven are open in my life and pours out blessing until there's no more need. Here's what happens. Needs may keep coming in my life, but his blessings keep coming too. You say, well, Pastor Renan, I've been, I've been tithing and a need came up. That's the perfect time for God to step in. He doesn't say there will be no more need. He said he's going to keep blessing you until there's no more need. So as long as there's a need, he's going to keep pouring out blessing on your life. Does that make sense? It's not like this ultimate goal, like, man, he's going to bless us until, you know, we're multimillionaires and then we can stop tithing and he can stop worrying about us. That's not the point. The point is, we keep doing our part. We keep bringing the tithe into the storehouse, into his house, and he keeps pouring out blessing and pouring out blessing. Because here's what happens. The more zeros you get in your paycheck, it just means the problems in your life and the needs in your life have more zeros too. It's, it, it, it's all a proportion. It's all a proportion. All right. God's concerned with his house. Now, I want you to note here that he says into the storehouse that there would be food in his house. One of the confusions that, that happens to good Christian people is that we get confused because we're giving 10% of, of our income but we give it in different places and in different ways. So we send some to the televangelists. We send some to the, because they're raising money on, on TBN or Daystar or one of those stations. We send some to a family that was in need. And we send some to the Red Cross and some to the Salvation Army. And so we're giving 10% or maybe more away. And we think that that is tithing, but that is not tithing. The tithe goes to the storehouse. The tithe goes to the house of God, the local church where you're being fed. That's where the tithe belongs. And if you're not bringing it there, then you're not tithing. Now, we give offerings all over the place. Lindsay and I make it a habit to give offerings all throughout the year to all different places. Not just Christian organizations, but we give to all types of places because we believe that, uh, that Jesus was as generous as generous gets when he gave his life for us. And so out of that generosity, we give to other people, but we never mess with our tithe. Because our tithe belongs to the storehouse. The tithe belongs to the place where you're being fed. The tithe belongs to your church. That's where it goes. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. He wants there to be food in his house. Here's the thing. American Christians in the year 2000 gave 1.7% of their income to churches, missions, TV ministries, and all other organizations. We gave 1.7%. That's not a high number. That's not a high number. 1.7%. I was told by a banker here a year or so ago that churches, and this just grieves me, churches are the number one defaulter on loans as a business in the country. And I wonder if God's looking up saying, man, it's personal to me. I, I, you know what happens when a church defaults on a loan? A piece of ground that has been claimed for the kingdom of God gets put back in the hands of a world system. And I don't think that's God's plan at all. God's serious about it. And it's personal to Him because it's His house. It's His church. It's His people. 
that there may be food in my house. Food and, and bread in the Bible is that which sustains life, that which gives life, that which just allows us to have our uh, needs met. It's, it's the representation of meeting needs. Here's the thing. You should expect, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, you should be expect that your church gives you life. And if you're in a church, whether you're in the room today or you're watching online, and your church does not give you life in some way, if you don't feel like you've experienced God or known God, if you haven't uh, eaten from the Word of God, if you, if you don't leave here feeling life if over a long period of time, then you're not receiving life and you're not eating in His house. And, and God wants us to be fed when He comes to His house. That's what he wants. And, and, and so make sure that you're in a church that is feeding you, that you're having life, that you're being sustained. Uh, it, it's worship, it's sermons, it's life teams, it's relationships. You should expect to be fed by your church, but God also expects us to bring the tithe into the storehouse. I know I'm talking about money, and I'm not going to get a lot of amens today, but that's okay. Here's the second thing I want you to know about, about this point. Uh, I was listening to a message by uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes here a couple of weeks ago, and I can't do it like he does. I, got, I needed a few more donuts, I think, this morning. It, it, but he said, we've got to make sure that we are feeding what is feeding us. And, there, and there's this principle in life, and it, 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 not just the Word of God, even though it's founded in the Word of God as everything is, but there's this principle in life that we have to feed what is feeding us. And if you don't feed what is feeding you, eventually you will die because what, if you don't feed it, it'll quit feeding you and you'll be looking to eat somewhere else. So we've got to feed what is feeding us. You think about it like this. Uh, uh, ladies, how many of you know that if, if, if you're at home cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry and cleaning up after the kids and doing all the work for your husband and slaving over him and you're just feeding him, feeding him, feeding him, but he's spending all of his time and his money with another woman, this ain't going to go very well. Because you can't feed something else and expect your wife to feed you. It's a principle in life, and it goes with everything. Uh, uh, the, the grass grows uh, because the ground feeds it, but when the grass dies, it then feeds the ground, which then causes more grass to grow. It's this circle of life. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4 says it this way, You shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. What is he talking about? The ox is working to feed you. He's working the ground. And if he reaches down and grabs just a little bit, it'll be okay because he's the one working to feed you. So don't muzzle him so he can't get a bite along the way. Make sure the ox is eating so that he can feed you. We have to feed what is feeding us. We have to feed anything that is feeding us. It's just common sense. Uh, uh, Paul wrote it like this. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You can't sow greed and reap prosperity. You can't sow hatred and reap joy. You can't sow bitterness and reap happiness. If you need some friends, you can't be a jerk and expect to reap some friends. 
Here's the other piece of this. Don't take on more than you're willing to feed. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm bitter about something. I just need to air it out for a minute, okay? So last year, we have this app that our pastors and elders and prayer partners use, and it's called The Table. And, and on that app, we post uh, prayer requests that we, we're praying for. It's all three campuses and we, anything that need, we need to pray for, praise reports. So last year, my father, you may have heard me talk about this, he makes this post, and he says, please, please pray for 10-year-old Molly. She's having congestive heart failure. Oh, my gosh. People are... This is a 10-year-old girl. She's in congestive heart failure. She's dying. We're, I mean, people are praying. People are posting. They're like, the bishop needs prayer, and we are praying this. 10-year-old Molly, it's his dog. No joke. He posted 10-year-old Molly, and he was talking about his dog. Now, it's not that I don't want to pray for his dog, but boy, we were bombarding heaven for this dog. And I'm going to tell you what, she wasn't supposed to live but a month, and she lived like nine or ten months, lived a happy life. It was wonderful. It worked. And he never went back and clarified either. People are like, hey, how's Molly? I'm like, the dog's right here playing. No, 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 I'm not the dog. I'm talking about the little girl. How's she doing? I was like, no, Dad was talking about his dog. Anyway, so shortly before Christmas, uh, she, did, uh, she did die, and, and uh, man, she lived a really good long time and got a lot of extra life, so we're happy about that, but uh, she died. So my dad's like in mourning over this dog, which, by the way, lives at my house and not his house. So at Christmas, my mom gets this brilliant idea. Brandon, we need to get your dad another dog. He's mourning the loss of Molly and Dropcloth, who's his other dog. It's called Dropcloth because it literally looks like a dropcloth that you would paint. You get paint all over it. That's what the dog was. So his name, her name is Dropcloth. So it's like, he, she's mourning. We just need to get your dad another dog. I'm like, I'm not feeding this dog. I don't want this dog. Here's what happens. My mom could not. I've been saying I'm not getting. I don't want the dog I have, okay? My mom connives and gets my 10-year-old daughter to go with her papa to look at this little puppy. And she brings back Holly Bell with this, this white furball, cutest little dog you have ever seen. But you know where that dog ended up? In my living room. You know who's chasing that dog when it's 28 degrees in the morning? And it's raining and you're trying to chase the dog down so he doesn't die of pneumonia? This guy. I'm not happy about this dog. Now, I love this little baby. And, and every time she looks at you with these ears and she's snowball white, she just melts my heart. And then when I have to get out of bed to go chase the dog down and put her back in her cage because she's out running in the back 40, and I literally mean the back 40 acres, I am not happy because you know why? I didn't want to take on more dogs that I couldn't feed. You know what the next deal was? My daughter said, Dad, I'll take care of her. Kennedy, did you feed your dog? Yeah, I fed her the other day. <laughs> you know what she told me the other night? Now, I feed the dog morning and night. The dog is not starving. I promise you she is growing like a weed, okay? She calls me in the room the other night. Hey, Dad, 
do you mind putting my puppy up tonight? I said, Kennedy, you ain't put that dog up in three weeks. Who you think's been putting her up? Oh, well, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> Here's the problem. The reason I'm frustrated about this deal is because somehow I took on more responsibility, more dogs than I was willing to feed. And this is, and I, I, I'm partially kidding and partially very serious about the dog. I do love this little puppy. She's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, but here's the point in life. Don't take on more than you're willing to feed. Don't take on more jobs than you can complete. Don't pay, take on more car notes than you can actually pay. Don't take on more kids than you can get to school on, the, on Monday morning. Uh, don't take on more than you can feed. It's a principle of life. Don't take on more than you can feed. And, and because we have to feed what's feeding us. Uh, let, me, let me keep going. If this is true in your life, it's true in your church. I'm speaking to church members and not guests today. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. Uh, you shall tithe of the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose, speaking of the house of God, to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and of the firstborn of your herd and, and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Here is the great deal about this system that God set up. God said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the first portion, the first 10%, and I want you to bring it to the house of God, bring it to the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. But then here's what he said. You get to eat of the tithe. You get to be fed even though you brought it to the house of God. What does that look like? That looks like this. We bring our tithes into the house of God. And you get to enjoy the air conditioner that's going on when it's 110 degrees outside. You get to enjoy our incredible worship team and all that goes on, the lights and the music and the sound. And how many of you are thankful for comfortable chairs? If you were here when our other sanctuary, you know, like, holla, it was, it was rough. And, and we get that because we have brought the tithe in the storehouse. And the way God set it up was you bring it in and then you get to enjoy it. Great children's ministry. Why? Because someone brought in a tithe. We have all this stuff because God brought it in. And then he said, listen, I'm not keeping it all for myself. I want you to bring it because I want you to put me first. But then you get to turn around and enjoy it. And I love that about God. He said, bring your tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then when you get there and there's food in your house, you get to enjoy it. You get to eat. Uh, yes, we, we serve in this church and, and we give and all that, but we also get to eat. Uh, imagine if it were a restaurant where we were going to eat. And I, I, Lindsay and I invited you to dinner as we often do. If I invite you to dinner, I very well may pay for you. I may buy your dinner. But at some point, if every time we go to dinner, you forgot your wallet... We won't be going to dinner very often <laughs> because it gets a little, have you ever, have you, you ever sat down and there's like a big group and they, they do the check and they say at the front, hey, we'll split it up at the front and you get there and you're the last, never be the last one. 
Because, you know, you get there and, and, and like, I'm like, what is this? Oh, that's the $8 bowl of queso for the table. You didn't get a bite of it. You didn't order it. But whoever said, yeah, bring some queso, bring an appetizer for the table. They didn't pay for it. No, no, no. It's a, you, four extra iced teas. $2.99 each. And it was you and your wife. You're like, we drank water with lemons in it. I didn't even get lemon. I don't even like lemon. And yet I'm paying for four iced teas. Well, how many of you know that frustration of you, you're looking at the people that just left and they're walking, bouncing out to their car like life is good. And you just paid $57 for a $22 meal. Have you ever been there before? You are like, that ain't me. I go first, Pastor Randy. <laughs> no, that ain't. Here, here's the point. If you're a guest with us today, it's on us. It's on us. It's on us. Enjoy. It's enjoy. Enjoy. You and your family, I hope you have a blast. I hope you get fed. I hope your kids have a wonderful time in the children's ministry. I hope your, 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 your babies that are in the nursery come back full of Jesus smiling at you with clean diapers that's what I that's what I hope but here's the deal if you're a member don't be a dine and dash Christian you know what I mean by dine and dash you go in you eat and, and slip out before the waiter can bring you the check don't be a dine and dash Christian if you're watching online today if you're being fed, if you're being blessed week after week by the worship and by the preaching, regardless of who it is, don't click off before clicking the button that says give. If you're being fed, you've got to feed what's feeding you. If you're a member, this is, this is simple, what God expects of His house. You feed what is then feeding you. And then when we come to the church, we get all get a chance to partake. But if, you, if, if you're never giving, don't be mad at me when the person down the road from, row from you is giving you an evil eye. Why have I got to pay for you all the time? Now, it's getting real today. I, we love you. Everybody is welcome. Everyone is welcome. But this is the principle that God set up. And I can't be a good pastor to you if I don't tell you the way that God laid it out. Okay? So, so if, this, if this is true of, of our lives, you've got to know this is true of the church as well. Don't be a dine and dash Christian. The Bible says God is not mocked. He put a system in place that, it, and it's so delicate that if man tampers with it all, it breaks the entire system down. So let me ask you this question. Maybe you should ask it of yourself. Am I underfunding and overexpecting? Am I underfunding and overexpecting? I, I expect God to do this for me. I expect my church to do that for me. I expect this and I expect that. And I get frustrated when it's all like, not like I want it. But, but I'm, I'm underfunding because I'm not bringing the full tithe into the storehouse. I'm not doing my part. Are there areas of your life where you're underfunding and overexpecting in your career? Are you underfunding? Are you not putting in the time, the effort, and the energy to learn and grow and get better, but yet overexpecting by expecting to be promoted and paid more and more money? Less responsibility, more money. Uh, when, when it comes to the Word of God, are you not putting any time in but expecting it to come out? When it comes to maybe your ministry, are you not putting anything in but yet we're expecting more out? It, whatever it is, are we underfunding and overexpecting? 
Uh, and then this, if you take care of God's house first, he will take care of your house. Not only do I get to eat or enjoy the benefits of my tithe, but he promises to bless me. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you such a blessing until there is no more need. This seems like a really good deal to me. Now, let's look back at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7. The, lest, the, the lesser is blessed by the better. So remember, Abraham, who has just defeated all these kings, is blessed by Melchizedek. Now notice what he says here. Beyond all contradiction. Beyond all contradiction. So no one is disagreeing with this. Abraham is the lesser who is blessed by Melchizedek, who is the better or the superior. Now, there's something interesting in this. Abraham had to make a conscious decision. I am the lesser. He is the better. When we tithe, this is what we're saying to God. God, I am the lesser. You are the better. I'm tithing as the lesser. But what happens from the better? You bless from the better. Now, here's the deal. When he uses this term blessed right here, he's not just because there's something like, oh, you know, someone sneezes, you say, oh, bless you. Or, you know, just casually walking by, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Uh, God bless you. We, we, you know, it's, a, oh, I'm just kind of wishing good things on you, right? Bless you. I, we're just wishing good things on you. But specifically here, what he's saying is that when Abraham called himself the lesser and Melchizedek the better or the superior, he then authorized Melchizedek, who had the ability and the power to turn around and declare God's intentions over his life. So here's what happens. When we say, God, I'm bringing my tithe to you. I'm the lesser. You're the greater. You're the better. We are authorizing God who has the power to then turn around over our life and say to us, I'm authorized and I have the power, so I'm going to bestow good things. I'm going to bestow blessings. I'm going to fulfill my promises in your life. This is what happens, but it's a conscious decision. But when we tithe... That's what we're saying to God. And it goes beyond words and it moves to, to actions. Now, go on to verse 8. It says this. Here, our tithers received. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Now, um, I want you to know something. We have some incredible ushers in this church. They work hard to serve you every week. But as credible, incredible as they are, they are not superhuman. They are mortal men. The English Standard Version says mere mortals. Right? How many of you know our ushers are mortal men? Here, speaking of on earth, in the house of God, mortal men receive tithe. But there, he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. So here's the principle. 
we bring our tithe and we're putting it in a plastic bucket and, and one of our pastors is standing before you receiving the offering and the ushers are taking it up and it is received by mortal men. But in heaven, your gift and your act of obedience and your act of faith doesn't stop on earth. It doesn't stop at Wells Fargo Bank or First Financial Bank. It comes and it continues straight up into heaven. And our high priest, Jesus Christ, receives your gift. All my life growing up, every time we took up an offering, my dad would say, all right, if you're ready to give today, hold your offerings up before the Lord. He would say, and then he would pray. Why? We don't really do that anymore. But I often ask, got asked the question, why do we do that? It's based off of this scripture right here. Because it's a sign. I mean, let me that right there, Pastor Dino. It's just this, it's just this simple reminder. God... I, I, I want to remind myself and the devil and anybody that will listen that even though this tithe, this offering is being received by mortal men, I'm expecting my faith and my gift and my obedience and my love and my passion for you to stretch all the way into heaven. And I know, Jesus, that you are receiving it. And it's just a simple act of showing that. It's not about where it's going down. It's where it's going up to. Does that make sense? So if one of our pastors slips up and says, raise your offering envelopes, don't get mad at him and be like, why do you want me to raise my offering? No, 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 understand, this offering is going up to God. It's going up to God. Now, I want to give you a really quick overview, and I'm, and I'm running out of time today, so I'm going to try to pick up the pace. But I want to give you a quick overview because um, at, at Triumph, all the way from our beginning, um, you know, having grown up in ministry 33 years, and my father being in ministry for uh, many, 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 many years, uh, being in and around it, uh, especially him, but both he and I, uh, we've seen funny business that goes on with church money. And I don't know if you've ever been in a church where, where, where funny stuff was happening with the money, but that doesn't happen here. And so from the beginning of Triumph, we put safeguards into effect to make sure that when people come and they put their, bring their tithe to the storehouse, they can trust and know that it's being handed, handled safely and correctly and with multiple checks and balances. All right, so let me just give you a quick overview of what happens. First of all, I got, I got uh, uh, called into court one time. As a, uh, I got subpoenaed to court as a, uh, an expert witness, I guess. And the, and the guy was asking me these questions uh, about someone giving in the offering. And he was like, aren't you the pastor? I'm on, I'm on trial. I'm, I mean, I'm not on trial, but I'm on the witness stand. And he's like, aren't you the pastor? I'm like, yes. Well, didn't this person give in the offering? I'm like, I don't know. Like, but you're the pastor. Yes. Then why don't you know? Here's why. I don't touch the money. I don't, I don't, I don't, leave, I don't leave with a bag of money in my glove compartment when I leave on Sundays. Okay, that's not how it goes. It, uh, that, that's just not how it works. And, and so I, I just want you to know that our pastors don't deal with the money. First thing that happens is we have a team of guys, security guys, that cut, picks up in buckets. And I want to give you all the details in case somebody's watching online and wants to steal from the house of God. But multiple guys gather it, put it together. They put it in, in, uh, in bags that are sealed and, and uh, that 
that are uh, across the board, what is customary, what is done in churches and businesses, uh, and it's handled and it goes straight to the safe. Uh, from there, it is, uh, so there's always multiple people involved. Uh, at every time, no matter where the, the, the offering's going, there's always multiple people going with it. We never want anyone uh, to even be put into position of an accusation that they might have done something wrong. So there's always multiple people. Uh, and then when it's counted, there's, there's multiple people. It's counted, and it goes to the bank, and all those things happen. But even when it all goes into the bank, we don't just have like one big bank account, and I as the pastor just determine where money's going to go and how it's going to be spent. That's not the way it works. Uh, we have a board of directors. And every year, uh, our, our pastors, our, our uh, lead pastors, as well as our senior pastors and our campus directors, we work together to build a budget for this church based off of, uh, you know, our uh, expected income and, and our expected expenses. And we build a budget, just like every other business in the world probably does. Uh, and we present that budget to our board of directors. And that board of directors either approves or say, no, go back to it and do some work on it. Okay, so we are allowed to spend what is approved within the budget to spend. Does that make sense? And, and I say this to you because I want you to know that, there, that we're not just out blowing money as we want to, but everything is done with, uh, with God's word first, secondly, the needs of, our, of the people of the church at, at heart, and, and because we want to make sure that you're being fed and the people that are still coming are being fed when they get here, right? And so we'd work very hard to make sure everything is protected and everything is uh, safe and secure. Now, the next question I get asked, is that okay? Is that all right? Uh, I, um, I don't see uh, Chris here today. He's been working a lot of shutdowns. Chris Robinson is our Beaumont uh, uh, congregational director. I'm sorry, the word slipped my mind. Congregational director. Uh, Chris has been with us in Beaumont since the beginning. We've had several great men uh, serve this campus in that aspect. Uh, uh, Elder Harold Galdemez, Pastor Ronnie Ramirez have both served for several years right now. Uh, Chris Robinson is a great man, is serving to make sure that your needs are brought to the table and, and everything is being handled as well as it can. He's doing a fabulous job. And I know he's probably at work today, uh, but maybe if you're watching online, Chris, I want to say thank you uh, for the work that you're doing. All right, the next question I get asked is, Pastor Rennan, how do we give? Five ways that we give. Five ways that we give. Number one, uh, we give in our offering, tithe, check, or credit card, however you want to do that. When you come to church, you can give in the offering. Number two, we have giving box set up in the foyer that we can give out there. If you say, man, I got in late, or I wasn't quite ready when, the, when the, they passed the buckets, or whatever might happen, uh, things happen. Uh, there's a giving box set up in, in the foyer. Number three, there's a QR code on your envelope. If you don't know what a QR code is, don't worry about it. If you're into QR codes, that will take you directly to a, a giving uh, online giving place and you can give uh, uh, privately and securely th uh, there. Uh, number f was that number three or number four? Three. Number four uh, is you can give online. You can give online, and there's multiple ways to do that. You can, you can log in, sign up for a login, and you can give however you want, wherever you want. You can also set up into auto-draft, which is what a lot of people like to do. That way they make sure that God is getting there first. Uh, or you can make a one-time gift, and you don't have to log in. That's up to you. And the fifth way 
which is another way that a lot of people give, is they do it through their bank's online bill pay. Uh, however you want to do it, that's up to you, but there's five ways that, we, that you can give uh, here in this church. And I'm going to ask a favor of you, and I know it happens sometimes, uh, but one of the reasons I'm talking about this is because every now and then, somebody walks up to me and hands me a big wad of cash and says this is their offering. I appreciate that. Please don't give it to me. <laughs> um, let's make sure we get in an envelope, get it in the right place. I want you to get a credit for it, and I don't, I don't even want, I don't want it to get lost in a coat pocket while I'm preaching and something else, and you know, look up two months later and be like, oh my goodness, there was your tithe. Uh, just so please don't give it to me. There's giving boxes, boxes in the foyer. Does that make sense? All right. It's personal to God because it's His house. Um, I, I need to keep moving here. I am so out of time. Number two. It's personal to Jesus because it's his bride. It's personal to Jesus because it's his bride. Uh, Jeremy, uh, Pastor Chris, Pastor Brandon, jump up here really quickly. Matthew chapter 25. uh, uh, First off, the church is the bride of Christ. Jump up here, all the way up here. Matthew chapter 25 tells us that he gives us talents. and, and, And he gives us talents according to our abilities or in proportion to our abilities but then he has expectations for those talents. So now I want you to imagine with me, if you will, uh, I'm going away on a business trip. And I've got lots of money, but I have to leave my wife behind. And so I say to these three guys, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to send you $10,000 a month. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Ten grand a month. All you have to do it's take the first $1,000 and get it to my wife. After that, do what you want with the, rest, the other 9000 But the first $1,000, I want you to get it to my wife. Does everybody understand what we're going to do? I'm going to give you how much? Could you live on $10,000 a month? Okay. All you have to do is give my wife how much? Is that 10%? Okay. Make sure she gets it first. So I go away for a few months on a trip, and I'm doing my life, my business, my work. I come back. And I come to you and I say, I call my wife and I say, hey, how's it going? Is everybody bringing you their portion? And she says, well, Pastor Chris brings me his first 10%. I mean, I get that check on the first of the month every week. He brings me every month. Huh? That's good? Okay. He brings me $1,000 every month on the first. It is, he's never late. He's always on time. And I say, thank goodness. I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to continue to bless you. Matthew 25. I go to, I go to uh, Pastor Brandon and I say, well, Lindsay, how is Pastor Brandon doing? Well, he's doing really good. He, not only does he give me $1,000 on the first of the month, but he gives me $2,000. I said, $2,000? Why is he giving you $2,000? She said, well, I didn't know either, so I asked. And he said he was so grateful for what you were doing for him that not only did he want to do... Uh, 10%, but he wanted to go on and do 20% just because you were so generous to him. He wanted to be, uh, to return it back to even more. I say, now, now we're talking. <laughs> now you get a handshake for that one, man. Thank you very much. And then, and then I come over here to Jeremy. I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and I say, Lindsay, how, how's, how's Jeremy doing? And she says, well, the first month, he did really good. He, he brought me the $1,000. The second month, he was, a, he was a little bit late, and it was only 800 
The third month, he didn't get it to me on the first. He got it to me on the 29th, and it was only 400. The, the, the next month, I didn't get anything. Did you ask him what was going on? Yeah, he said something about his car broke down, and uh, I don't know. They were going on vacation or something. I couldn't keep it all straight. Okay, what happened the next month? Well, he did come back the next month, and, you know, and, and, and he brought me 600. I said, okay. Now, how many of you know? I'm not happy with this guy. I gave you $10,000 a month. All you had to do was bring the first thousand to my wife. Matthew 25 teaches us this. I'm going to take what I was giving to you from you, what I was giving to you, because I can't trust you to be faithful with it. And I might as well give it to this guy who was not only giving his first portion, but his heart was so generous that he gave even more. It's personal to Jesus because we're talking about his wife. We're, we're, we're talking about his bride. Matthew 25. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the truth of the word of God. Taking care of the church is important to Jesus because it's his bride. I want you to remember this, and I want you to understand how Jesus views the deal. The church is his bride. He's blessing you. He's not asking you to give any more. Or he's not requiring any more of you than the same 10% he requires of me. But he just wants to be first. He just wants to be faithful. Y'all give these guys a hand, especially Jeremy. I want to go now, and and I'm going to have to close, and I'll try to pick up the the third truth later. But I want to go to this video now, and I want to show you uh, this video from Ryan and Madison Stewart, Stewart, who are our children's directors and need a fabulous couple, and I want you to hear their story. Hello, I'm Ryan. And I'm Madison. We're the Stewarts. We've been attending Triumph for about two and a half years now. We're the children's directors there also. I'm in the Coast Guard as a civilian and as a reservist. And I work for um, Advanced Pediatric Home Health. Uh, We have two children and Jonah is two and Dakota is one. We decided to give tithe um, because it was always been a natural part of um, our lives from when we grew up, both of our parents um, really taught us how to do it, and we saw significant through their lives that it was a big deal, so we wanted to make sure that it was number one in our lives. Uh, when we came out here, uh, we had a good job, and that's why we came to Texas in the first place. I was in the Coast Guard, and we were doing very well, but my contract ended here, and it was a decision point for us to make whether we go back home to Alabama or to stay here in Texas and we felt so strongly that God was calling us to stay but that meant taking a big pay cut especially with two new kids that were just born only a year apart so we decided to follow God and be faithful and continue to tithe we were behind on our daycare over six hundred dollars behind and we didn't know what we were gonna do but we continued to tithe continue to stay faithful 
and one day I came across a pile of mail that had been sitting there for over a year. And we opened it up and it was my Texas windstorm policy. And they sent me a check in there for $600, just enough to cover the daycare expenses. God was telling us straight up that we needed you here. And he opened up an amazing position for us. He uh, allowed us to work with children, which we were so natural with. We needed two cars and we tried to get a second car so we could both travel to and from work. Um, but we were unable to do so. So again, we just decided to trust God and you know, trust Him that there was a way that this was gonna come about or He would figure out some other way. So we just went along and then a week later, uh, Madison was coming to see me at work and she went over a big railroad track with a deep hill and it had been raining very hard that whole night. No, and it was a flash flood. <laughs> okay. It was, it was a, a flash, flash flood. <laughs> and she came over the railroad tracks and she went nose first into a huge puddle. The water was starting to come into the doors. We had the dog in the back. It was flooding. It was the water was up to the sea inside. So she calls me and me and my friend leave work to go out there and tow her out in the truck. During the total, we were like, it's okay, God's got a plan for this. And that just having that attitude with my friend beside us, he literally said, wow, y'all are at peace at this. And it was true, we had peace about it. We, we made light of the situation. We laughed and just had a good time. And then the time came where they told us, they, we totaled the car and they gave us enough money to buy two cars that we had initially been looking for. We gave because um, we, we wanna give. We, we feel the urge that we can He's done so much for us. We want to give everything that we can for Him. So not only is it, you know, do we give our 10%, but it's, it's you know, we give whenever we can. We give with our tithing. We, we give to our friends. We, uh, we give of our time and our efforts. And It's a lifelong process. And no matter the ups or the downs that you're in, tithing will always be almost a struggle like do I really want to give this money whether I'm making a lot or making a little it's, it's the money's still the same effect on your heart right it's so a conscious it, choice yeah so it's time. a lifelong effort and that is it can't affect us because God is faithful he's in a lifelong relationship with us and we want to be in a lifelong relationship with him and that's why we we give to him every time we can because God is personally taking care of us and anytime we have an opportunity to give back to God, we see it as a privilege. I love what Ryan said. God has taken on himself to take care of them. I want to read one more verse to you and we're going to close. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 12. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Deuteronomy 26 and 12. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the year, which is the year of tithing, give it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I want you to watch. I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. And moreover, I've given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. And I have not transgressed. 
any of your commandments, and nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was in mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it while uh, to the dead. Notice what he's saying here. I brought it all to you. I didn't, I didn't eat the tithe. I didn't use the tithe when I was in need, when I was going through bad times. I brought it all to you. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Verse 15. So God, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's what Moses wrote. When we do our part, we can look up at heaven and with a clean and a pure heart say God I gave you my portion I gave you the first I gave it all to you I didn't use it when times were tough but I kept bringing it to you I kept bringing it to you I kept putting you first I kept doing what I was told to do I obeyed your commandments and it was it was difficult and bills were coming due and and things were happening but I kept putting you first God and there was food in your house so now look down from heaven and bless me Malachi said it like this, open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing for me that there is no more need in my life. You have the right to say that. I want to speak this blessing over your life today. God, we're doing our part. Now open up heaven and bless your people. Open up heaven and do what you promised. Open up heaven and do what you said you would do. Open up heaven and do what you wrote in your word and it's been done time and time and time and time again. If you say, well, Pastor Rand, I got off track. Get back on track today. Get back on track today. It's a good time for a fresh start. It's a good time for a fresh start. I want to bless you today and then our host is coming. Dear Heavenly Father, bless your people today. Those that are in the room and those that are watching online, bless your people today. Bless those that are in this church that were unable to be with us today for whatever reason. Bless them. Open up the windows of heaven and look down upon us and do what you've promised to do. God, I brought you my first. I brought you the tithe. I've put you first. You're Lord in my life. So God, we are saying that we are the lesser and you are the superior. You're authorized to bless us. You're authorized to come through in your promise. You're authorized to bestow on us all the good intentions you have for our life. So I release them over the people of God right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.